0: You have to suck at something before you can be good at it. Welcome to the River of Suck podcast, episode 10. I'm your host, Andy Reiner. River of Suck is about fear and how it holds us back from our personal and professional goals. My guest today is Courtney Hartman, guitarist and singer-songwriter. She's currently living in a... Barn? Barn that she's renovating in Colorado in, let's say, just the middle of a big field. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Hey Courtney, how's it going?
1: It's good. Thank you for coming out here.
0: Oh yeah, it's a pleasure to be in, in this barn. But not only is it just some barn, but you live in it.
1: This is right.
0: And you're trying to make it more the place that you live.
1: Mm-hmm. I grew up on this property and after living on the East Coast for like 10 years, I moved back last summer and lived in a Winnebago for a while. Oh yeah. And then in a little carriage house. And then I upgraded to a barn.
0: So this is big time.
1: This is big time. Big time project land.
0: You've got space to like be yourself is what I'm kind of seeing here.
1: So many cartwheels.
0: So many cartwheels. (laughs) You're a guitar player and you're a singer songwriter. What Mm. else do you identify as?
1: Well, I grew up playing fiddle um started playing fiddle when i was like three and then picked up mandolin and played piano for a while and so those instruments are all like somewhat still a part of my fabric musically but guitar was the first and still my main instrument that feels like my voice
2: Hmm. and
1: singing and songwriting came a little bit later okay i think to call myself a singer i don't always identify that way I'm getting more comfortable with calling myself a songwriter or a writer, Um, and (laughs) I like to write poetry, but I don't call myself a poet necessarily. Um,
0: So you're like a guitarist writer.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: A writer. Good writer. (laughs) You can use that.
1: Thank you very much. I grew up loving songs, but was way more focused on playing instrumental stuff and playing instrumentals and fiddle tunes. was like what I—it was my happy place.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and some people can only sing and some people can only play the guitar, so it's pretty cool to be awesome at both.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to do both. Doing both <laughs> at the same time is the whole thing.
0: Oh right. <laughs> fact that we're in this farm where you grew up. I'd love just a brief history of Courtney Hartman for people who don't know who you are. Mm. Like yeah. how did you get from here to here cuz you grew up here <laughs> and you're still here but so much has happened. Yeah. In the middle.
1: I got from here to here. That's a very good question. That's the name of this chapter. <laughs> how I got from here to here. Well, so I grew up here, actually a few miles away on Sylvandale Guest Ranch, was where I grew up until I was six. My family bought this piece of land, and I lived here until I was like nineteen, and then I moved to Boston and went to Berkeley there, and was there for a couple years. At that point, I was on tour a lot and didn't quite finish school. Delamay. I was, yep, I was touring with Delamay and then for a little bit with a group called the Bee Eaters. Oh, yeah. And then I um, decided to go to New York, which is a very, that's a very classic trajectory. (laughs) I was like, I won't do that. Everyone does that. And then I did that.
0: New York or Nashville. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
1: Um, Went to New York and was there for five years. So I was on the East Coast for like 10 and had kind of a pause in some touring life things and some life things and realized that I really hadn't been able to be present here with my community here and with my family for, you know, like I guess almost a decade, present in the summer at least. So Hmm. I decided to come back. And now the barn that we're in right now, it was my dad's friend built it when we were kids. And we used to have some square dances up here in this upstairs loft. And the downstairs, were it's a, quite a, a scene down there right now, just a bit of a wreck. But I was reminded recently that I indeed lived in a barn when a rattlesnake came in between the floor crack um, in the kitchen. So watch your feet when you go down.
0: So when are you getting a cat?
1: <clears throat> we have two kittens, which I think they would be food for the rattlesnakes at this point. But all that to say, it feels really good to be back. Cool. Yeah, totally. And to have this space to create in and this landscape to kind of reabsorb.
0: I have another question about your journey. And one of the things we talk here on the River of Suck podcast is how to become the USU that you can be. Mm-hmm. And you were in a really big bluegrass band, Della
2: mm-hmm.
0: playing at all the top festivals. What made you decide to kind of focus on your own Courtney Hartman music and move to this kind of quieter, less road mm-hmm. all the time? I mean, you're still touring, but I get a sense that it's a little less than yeah. with Delamay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that was That was purposeful. I needed a season where I wasn't traveling quite so much, which I've been on the road some this year, Mm -hmm. still a good bit, um, but nowhere near where I was before. And it's an interesting question, and there's many layers to it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I'm so proud of Delamay and, and the work that we did together and the work that they're still doing. I was at a place where I felt like maybe I had lost track of who I was, hmm. which I haven't said in that way before. And I was needing to to chisel out some things to find some of that again.
0: Hard to do that when you're waking up in a different place every night.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and inevitably, in any sort of a collaborative situation, there is a system of compromise. That's how totally. it, it functions. It's how societies function. And we have to function that way. But I had maybe done enough of that to where I no longer even knew what I had compromised Hmm. um, or let go of in order to create a better whole as a band. And no regrets there and and nothing that was, you know, it was just that I needed to step back and see that part of me again.
0: Cool. Do you see it here when you look around at these barn walls?
1: (laughs) I don't know if I see it yet. I don't know,
0: you, or you see the possibility.
1: Well, when I moved back here <laughs> a year ago, coincidentally, me leaving the band and leaving New York actually happened in the same week. Hmm. So I, you know, packed up my car and and came out here, and then played our last couple of shows together, and then it felt like I had kind of just been like, droop, just dropped onto the property, and I was going to live in this little trailer and. I had built a community and a family and a road family and an existence that my identity was all wrapped up in. Mm -hmm. So to come back here and and, then have all that stripped away, it was was tough. It was tough and also really revealing. And so (laughs) very purposefully, I decided not to play any shows at all that summer. And part of that was needing to, to see what it felt like and to see who I was without it.
2: Whoa
0: you were saying that one of the reasons you went to berkeley was because john mcgann was there mm-hmm. and john mcgann invented the phrase river of suck to the best of my knowledge so any guest i have on this podcast who knew john and was inspired by him i gotta get a john mcgann story mm. Like, what do you remember about John? Why was he so inspiring?
1: My mandolin and guitar teacher in town was Ellen Audley. And she actually was my mom's guitar teacher. So I wasn't taking lessons, but I would go watch her, teach my mom, and then come back and practice. Oh, nice. And then help my mom practice. But she knew John, and I don't know that they were close. I don't even know that they really knew each other. But she she had this way of like sensing out people, who would have an impact on me. She did this continually when I was a kid. And when I got ready to go to college, she said, you know, there's this teacher at Berkeley, John McCann, and I think he would really like him and learn a lot from him. So she sent him a note or a phone call. And so I went out to visit Berkeley. John had me over to his office And we just hung out for, like, an hour and played tunes and talked. And he wrote recommendations for every scholarship that I needed. Whoa. And just very literally was, like, the reason I was able to go. I continued to, like, go visit him during office hours and have lessons with him, not as consistently because he was kind of in the mandolin world. My most, like, concrete memories of John's playing was just, like, the complete humor that he played with <laughs> like he was an insane improviser he was so good he could play anything and be as serious as anyone but he brought so much joy in his improvisation that was just like undeniable and so inspiring especially as a young person like really trying to take things seriously and oh, yeah. and he had a way of being like hey like buckle up like you're you can be and do better yeah, And he would say that very straight. Um, <laughs> but alongside that, and it's supposed to be fun. That was like, yeah, hugely impactful.
0: Yeah, I knew he wasn't going to let me get away with anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that one chord is coming that you're not as good at.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> magnifying glass.
0: Oh, it's the magnifying glass. <clears throat> but it's even worse because you can, you can feel it coming and you know you're going to mess it up. And not Mm -hmm. only are you going to mess it up, but you're going to hear about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. He worked extensively with me. I was in his like gypsy jazz guitar ensemble, and it was just like full-on right-hand boot camp for me. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Amazing.
0: (laughs) We wish he was still here, but he's still inspiring us in... At least for anyone that I've ever talked to who who worked with him, he was more than a teacher. He was a friend, and mm-hmm. and I think he's still here with us in those kind of ways.
1: It made me very happy to know that this entire podcast and the and the energy behind it and spirit behind it was inspired by him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Here we are. We can't get, we can't escape. Can't escape.
1: No, there's no way. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Let's
0: get into the River of Suck. The River of Suck is a metaphor for the learning process. You're on one side behind you is your comfort cave and we can see on the other side, our future magical, we wish we could do those things versions of ourselves. We can see like, we can actually look over with our magic binoculars and see, see all those things that we wish we could do. And there's little teeny versions of us doing them over there on the other side. (laughs) problems in between we've got a roaring river of suck filled with whitewater rapids thought piranhas and rocks it's those thought piranhas that are those negative thoughts the self-sabotaging things that pop into our head and who knows why they show up or how they get there but they do and sometimes they might even just be in a dream those thought piranhas like last night my brain went through everything that could possibly go wrong in my life that could be stressful and presented me just a little like pizza slice of it. It was like clockwork going around. <laughs> it's like, these are all the things you're afraid of. And I woke up today and I was like, thank you, Dream, for showing me that I still have a long way to go. Mm. So the idea is that in order to get to the other side, you have to swim through that river of suck. And it sucks. When you're trying to do something, but you've never done it before, or you have been doing it, but it's not that easy. And the thing with especially musicians, like we're musicians, but this applies to anyone learning anything, we never want to ever feel like we're done learning. And every time I learn something, I realize that I know nothing. And I see out the vast universe of vistas and galaxies of things that I don't know that would make me a better musician and a better person if I could know about them. So that's how I think of the, about the river of suck. So, <laughs> so my question to you is how do you see this in your life or your music or your music life?
1: Mm. Well, when you mentioned whitewater rafting, I grew up rafting as a kid. I loved lunchtime. I loved getting to our campsite. And I loved being in the water. And it's like as soon as, I was, as soon as I was in the water, it was awesome. I mm-hmm. loved it so much. I could stay there all day. But it was just like imagining getting into the water and, and that it would be hard and cold and I would get tired and all of those things that made me always just kind of like, eh, what if we just stay here for a little bit longer <laughs> where we're dry and it's nice <laughs> But there's something about that that just feels very relatable. The metaphor works for a reason. The thought piranhas, I think, are maybe where I get the most stuck. So those are the guys that make me want to jump back out. Yeah. And to avoid getting back in at all costs. Even if it's going around the cliff um, through a bunch of brambles and whatever else to get to the next spot. Oh, and that might be like procrastination. It yeah. might be just like avoiding whatever it is that, that makes me feel like I suck because that doesn't feel good.
0: But when I go to your website, you look like you're awesome and everything is great. You've got a new <laughs> album. You've been in incredible bands. You've like toured the world. We're actually, I think we're both alumni of the American Music Abroad Program. Like, mm-hmm. shouldn't everything be awesome? Mm. Aren't, are we done?
1: If we're done, then we're done, I think, right?
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't really think we're done.
1: If we're done learning, if we're done um, getting in and out of that that place of expansion, then it's time to move on with something else in our life or on to another life. Like, there's just something... Like, we're constantly in wow. that space. Yeah. Not Not to get dark in that way, but... But does that make sense? Like, as long as we're allowing uh, an art or a work or a service to expand us, it will be uncomfortable.
0: Totally. Well, a lot of people thrive on that un- uncomfortability. Uh, uh, that's not a word. Un- un- uncomfortable feeling <laughs> thing. I think comedians, actually, mm-hmm. maybe, probably most prominently just have to get up in front of people and just totally suck more than almost anybody else. Like even more than a guitar player singer at an open mic. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: Like, cause at least then you have a song, but like, man, the world of comedy is brutal. I'm glad I'm not doing that.
1: I'm so glad that I'm not doing that.
0: People are way more understanding of music.
1: (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Uh, But there is something like when I go to see a comedian, I leave and I'm like, well, um, They make you want to try. Yeah. Not try being a, I don't want to be a comedian, but just like go out of the world and do the thing you're supposed to do.
0: And be vulnerable in front of people. And that's where some of the best stuff happens. Mm -hmm. You want to talk scary? Talk about like, we have these props, like instruments Mm -hmm. and like, but they go up there songs that we know what we're going to (laughs) sing. Totally. (laughs) But they go up there and it's just them and a microphone. That sounds so terrifying to me.
1: It's insane and so amazing. And thank the Lord for them. Yeah. We all need to laugh.
0: Absolutely. I have a student out there, and she was telling me that I'm picking the wrong people for this podcast because everyone I bring on is really great Hmm. and I should be bringing people who suck and have negative attitudes and Hmm. are struggling. And my response is that I think they're the same person, Mm -hmm. but at different times in their life. Right. So anyone who's been successful on a real serious level has had failures in their life and struggles and they wanted to do that thing so badly that they Mm -hmm. stuck with it and i think that is swimming the river and that's why i think i'm allowed to have people who have done cool things but but also might still be vulnerable even if we can't see it because from a facebook social media like oh look at them they're out on that mountain writing their songs Mm -hmm. who am i you know
1: (laughs) it's a surface existence that we relate to each other on Mm -hmm. both like family and friends and total strangers it's a crazy phenomenon because never happened never in history has like that been the way that we create community oh yeah if you're if you can call it community
0: Surface being like kind of the, the things that just that we can see into other people's lives, but we don't really know um, like the struggles.
1: I think social selectivity and either it's a disadvantage or an advantage in saying this is how I want to present my life. Hmm. You know, we're not going to our neighbor's house and seeing the fullness of the chaos or the mess or the loss or the heartbreak <laughs> um, or the joys of whatever it is that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we see like a tiny glimpse yeah, lit, Just a tiny little square, usually.
2: Yeah.
0: I'd love to talk about feelings and emotions in songwriting. And on our last episode that I did with Rick Robertson, he said that he feels like emotions come in packages, Mm -hmm. which I really like, because you're never actually just feeling one at a time. It really is together. So Let's think of an example. I don't know. Let's say... Nostalgia. Oh, yeah, the good old days.
1: It's like a good feeling and an achy feeling.
0: Yeah, like you want it to be like it was, but do you really?
1: Yeah, (laughs) or just the remembering of things. Mm-hmm. What's that movie called? Memento? <laughs> no. What's the movie called where the emotions?
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, The one with Joy is the main character. Yeah. Is that yeah, Inside yeah, Out? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. The little character, yeah. the emotions are little characters running around inside your they're brain. They're little
1: characters, and sometimes they're there at the same time. That movie makes me cry so much.
0: I love that movie. I also married someone named Joy.
2: <laughs> <It's, yeah.
0: laughs> Well, okay. So here's an example. I just climbed Long's Peak on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I was experiencing a lot of fear mm-hmm. on the climbing part. Where if I had stepped, you know, six inches or or even slipped, I would just mm-hmm. my whole thing would be done. Like <laughs> I wouldn't be playing music. I was probably that would be it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but fear was combined with excitement and adrenaline and. Gosh, what are, what is it that you feel like a lack of oxygen is It's almost totally. like a state of mind where you can't think straight and mm-hmm. you're trying to understand your emotions, but you can't even <laughs> comprehend what's going on in your brain anyway. So I like the idea that they happen in, in packages like sadness. Well, what are you, what does sadness come packaged with? For example,
1: mm, strangely enough, I think it can come with joy allowing a very large sense of joy in yourself or in myself means that I'm simultaneously acknowledging what is a potential sadness or seeing a glimpse of the loss of that joy. Hmm. And so in some way, you're truncating joy by bringing that in. But there is always that. Mm-hmm. It's like holding to a moment with some sort of like fragile presence because it only lasts for just a moment.
0: right. And I think it's easy to kind of dwell in the negative emotions, but what's so exciting about songs is that is the healthiest way that you can dwell in the saddest of emotions. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you process your emotions through your songs ever?
1: Yeah, I don't always know that I'm doing that. Um, (laughs) And I think songs, it's endlessly fascinating to me to just watch to have my own songs or other people's songs that are important to me they kind of weave these through threads and like it means something then and then Mm. later like oh it has a whole different meaning based off of this filter of this event in my life or this chapter or or this loss or whatever it is that's happening and so Mm. they become these kind of like lenses
0: that must be a really good song
1: yeah, that's, maybe that's the song I'm continually trying to
0: write. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I noticed in your bio on your website that you say that you're walking a lot and writing songs, which is something that, I've done and been really successful sometimes writing songs. I Mm -hmm. either, the song comes in its full entirety Mm. when I'm by myself on a walk and I pull off or I get nothing. But I do find that if I put myself in that position and Mm -hmm. I'm not around other people, I get some of my best songs. So I wanted to hear how you do that.
1: Well, I would have to credit the writings of Mary Oliver and Anne Lamott and their influence on me. Um, to that particular practice because I was reading them writing about this. Hmm. Um, Mary Oliver has a great little snippet in one of her books where she just says, you know, if you're having trouble writing, go take a walk um, or take a nap. And that's like two of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I've definitely taken naps, but I don't know <laughs> if I've walked. And so I started taking the train up in New York and just going up north an hour or so. And you can get off on some hikes there. And I would go there for like a day hike, but decided to do like a 40 day pilgrimage. Well, um, called the Camino de Santiago, it was a part of me searching for whether I could write in that environment, Hmm. and if I couldn't, then maybe I needed to not be doing that.
0: Like, give it a real chance and see what happens because you're this is exactly the river of suck because if you went one day Mm. and tried it and didn't work and you gave up, Mm -hmm. that's not enough to like really get to the other side. Right. You're talking 40 days, 40 nights. That's biblical.
1: It was biblical (laughs) and it was deeply humbling. Like I feel like the entire thing was a river of suck in some ways, just like from everything to like, you know, physical, very physical things where, like, one ache or pain can kind of, like, debilitate you for the day. or Oh, yeah. And then a lot of mental stuff. One, you have a lot of time in your own head when you're walking. mm mm-hmm. Which I thought would culminate in, like, great, I'll, like, process my past and think about my future. <laughs> and in the end, it, I couldn't handle any more than just, like, being present. Mm. and that sounds kind of that's a little floofy sounding but it was so true like I just had to be focused on what my body needed in that moment and what I needed to do to move forward you know I thought the writing would come easy but it didn't really as soon as we set up expectations for ourselves life has a good way of Mm -hmm. just knocking them down
0: be walking along and you'd kind of pull off to the side of the trail to try and write
1: yeah i think it always takes some sense of discipline for me it does not that there's not like fulfillment or joy or fun sometimes in it um, or purpose but i have showing up when it's showing up is the discipline Mm -hmm. yeah totally and sometimes for me showing up was getting some of the endless thoughts to just like be quiet in my head (laughs) You can walk for four hours. You can walk for 25 days. And still your brain will just be like, you know, just nonstop. And so the discipline in those moments was a quieting. Sometimes the discipline was walking away from other pilgrims who were walking and hmm. choosing to step aside and write for a while. Or it was getting up early or staying up late to do that.
0: Did you ever get some funny looks from people when you're pulled off on the side of the trail? Totally. They're like what do you do <laughs>
1: And sometimes it was just like in my in my journal that I was writing or singing into my phone or Oh I yeah. was like I was you know that that looks
0: particularly crazy
1: talking into my phone.
0: Well because I do it too. I know I get crazy yeah. I get the crazy look. You too. can
1: pretend like you're on the phone though, that's the best part of it. Except for that I had no service and they knew that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was the guitar girl. Oh well, you so had that a guitar too. I had a guitar, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had a guitar. So That was very similar to how I am here, which is just, Mm -hmm. I've always been a guitar girl. I had not, like, done something that many days in a row, probably besides drinking coffee. Yeah, I
0: was going to say coffee. (laughs) Guilty.
1: I couldn't remember the last time. I also like I wasn't on, I wasn't in a moving vehicle that entire time, which was a crazy experience. And I wasn't listening to music, at least not of my own choice Mm -hmm. that entire time. So it was definitely like a a halting and cleansing in that way.
0: The bro with the boombox comes by, that's the worst.
1: It was the worst. Although like, (laughs) man, there was one morning I was like in a cafe and Alan Jackson came on and I was just like, wow, I love music. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I love
1: music so much. It's so fun. They were so th- it made me appreciate hearing it and also appreciate like not hearing it all the time.
0: Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> How do you just be and mm. just do without those... Extra voices. Do you have any strategies or thoughts?
1: Man, I'm such a beginner. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, maybe like trying to, sometimes it feels like stamping out or like bop-a-mole, whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole. You're just like, yeah, stop that, stop that, stop that. Mm. Maybe it's more about letting them all come in and then wash out. My mom, she used to always say, you can keep a bird from flying over your head but you can keep her from building a nest in your hair
0: mm. is
1: that what it was <laughs> yes it is
0: i like
2: it yeah
1: she would like be braiding my hair and talk about that but really it she was talking about what she called stinking thinking
0: mm. stinking thinking stinking thinking
1: yeah which was just a lot of times you know it was probably like whining and complaining or you know not thinking you could do something or not wanting to try or not wanting to work hard all the things that we were it's the same stuff that we were dealing with when we were kids yeah it's all the same stuff and you know putting off being vulnerable and showing up for stuff is another thing so all of that is noise it's all noise How to turn it down sometimes I don't always know There's things, you know, like breathing Getting out and walking, being quiet Playing music, I think it's Different for Everybody, because we all have different Things that bring us back into that Place of quiet
0: So your mission, listener, is to find That thing and Hmm. do it A lot (laughs) (laughs) We hope that helps
1: I think it will (laughs)
0: It's funny, the whack-a-mole thing, I've been thinking a lot about whack-a-mole and how life feels like whack-a-mole every day.
1: Oh my gosh. Everything about this place feels like a -a whack-a-mole right now. Or just, like, life. Yeah.
0: It's like there's always seven moles coming out at the same time, but your mallet (laughs) is really fat and it can only, like, hit one, kind of. And then you hit the mole, and it doesn't. The machine doesn't even register that you hit the mole, and you're like, "No, I did it. I hit the mole. I hit the mole. Give me the point. Give me the this ticket. Whack a mole game is rigged.
1: Golly, I think we're in a culture of whack a mole.
0: <laughs> I'd rather be whacking than be the mole. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is true. Be then, then be whacked. Be the whacker.
0: Don't be, be whacked. The mole. It's kind of like a like be bewitched. Be whacked. Be whacked.
1: Be whacked. I've been be whacked.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Do you have any albums you've been listening to recently that are super awesome?
1: Mm. The most recent one that I had on repeat last week was um, a new album by His Golden Messenger. It sounds really great and beautiful, and the songs are, are really great. It's been a fun one to have on repeat a little bit. And his music has been influential on me. Before that, I was listening to Circle Game on repeat because I was learning it from a dear friend's wedding and totally paranoid that I would forget the lyrics that everyone knows.
0: <laughs> well, then you practiced and then you sang them?
1: Yeah. I taped them to my guitar and to the floor just in case.
0: You had them in two places. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah, totally. So you actually could have <laughs> forgotten them and you would have been fine. That is called prepping for success totally (laughs) failure is not an option it's someone it's yeah when it's your friend's wedding we don't want to mess it up don't want to (laughs) fail but i think the fear of failure Mm. pushes us to be better people and to be better musicians Hmm. but at the same time if you're not willing to fail and pick yourself up then i think you can avoid actual growth
1: Hmm. I've been trying to be more aware of how and when I use the word failure, Hmm. not in order to use it less, but maybe in order to be more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And it's only failure when it, you know, when it's set up against what you felt like success was. And so I think knowing what success is for you in a particular project or scenario is as much about understanding failure as it is about understanding and celebrating a success. Yeah, that, that's just been a, a kind of a current thing because you we put up all these expectations for ourselves. We set ourselves up against society's
0: expectations. And people say, "Oh, manage your expectations," and you're like, "I am, I am managing them." <laughs> and then it doesn't go the way you thought, and then uh-huh. you're all broken up about it. And they're like, "Well, I told you to manage your expectations." And you're like, "I'm trying, mm. I'm trying." I just need to be sad right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That that happened to me this summer. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
1: Are you good at showing excitement?
0: I get pretty excited and I'm, uh, yeah, yes.
1: I'm trying to be more that way. (laughs) Trying to show more excitement when I feel it. But I think there's a part of me that um, has this fear of less so of failure but of just disappointment whether it's in myself or Hmm. something else. So I don't show that I'm getting, I don't get excited. But by not showing my excitement or my my investment in something, then when it, it is disappointing, I can't really show that it's disappointing because no one around me understands the weight of it
0: if you're just stone-faced all the time
1: yeah we're just stone-faced courtney over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess so so like allowing us to, allowing ourselves to show that opens it up so where we can be supported by our partner or family or friends or like yeah. broader community when things do feel like they suck and and are disappointing
0: I want to know what you suck at that you Mm. wish you could do things you can't do that you think you'll never be able to do things you might want to be able to do, but you're like really a beginner at what are, what are you a beginner at?
1: Yeah. Uh, a lot. I think, uh, discipline (laughs) is a thing that feels challenging sometimes singing in tune, just singing good. Mm. I often feel... What's good? It's a really good question. (laughs) Right now, I'm feeling like a total beginner at all things construction and remodeling. Because I am, that's the thing, I am a total beginner.
0: But you're doing it.
1: I'm doing it. I have all this wood on my floor. I'm going to attempt to build a countertop. Yeah, I also feel like a beginner in just like communicating with people and being clear and being a leader and doing all that with like grace and clarity. Hmm. It feels like a a learning. It's a learning.
0: But the things that I see you doing actually working on this barn when it's not easy, that's the river of suck.
1: It's the river of suck. Leading totally. a band,
0: playing your own songs. Mm-hmm. You're telling me you're a beginner at like leading them, but you're leading them.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> yeah I think I needed this conversation
0: as well
2: <laughs>
0: big time well there you have it it's 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 good to be in the river of suck it means we're actually getting somewhere
1: yeah totally absolutely
0: Courtney Hartman plays an archtop guitar made by Lawrence Smart in McCall Idaho Courtney says she fell in love with this guitar because it was such a supportive instrument and for its ability to give voice to musical ideas that other archtops won't allow. The craftsmanship is insane and it's the most beautiful guitar. You've been hearing Courtney play this amazing guitar throughout the episode. Search YouTube for Courtney Hartman or come to a live performance to see it played. I met Lawrence on his home turf in a gathering of musicians, luthiers, and amazing folks to see the total eclipse in 2017. We have since shared more tunes as well as turns in beautiful Sun Valley. He's a skiing luthier. Learn more about his guitars and mandolins at lawrencesmart.com. Your new album sounds different from everything else Mm. that I've heard. You're playing more kind of tube amp guitar sound. Totally. Electrified. You've got percussion. Mm-hmm. bluegrass traditionalists would say, that ain't no part of nothing.
1: It Totally, and, it's not. <laughs> and
0: yet it still sounds like music to me. What's going on? What did you do?
1: Ready Reckoner is all songs that I wrote um, throughout 2017 and while I was walking. And then I worked with Shahzad Ismaili, um, who has a studio in Brooklyn called Figure Eight. Mm-hmm. And we co-produced the project together, and he engineered and I basically wanted to be able to serve the songs in the best way possible. And I knew from the get-go that that wasn't going to be in a way that was similar to other things I had made. And I needed it to feel like me. And in the most beautiful way. Like It's not a solo record by any means. There's so many amazing people on it. (laughs) Um, But they are a part of me. Um, Mm -hmm. And the sounds they make and the music they play is a part of who I am as well.
0: That's so cool.
1: It was it was really fun <laughs> and challenging.
0: Is there a song that we could listen to that that you think might address some feelings that you mm. might want to talk about?
1: Yeah, there's one that's like so directly like a song version of this conversation. And that one is called Too Much. And it's really mm. just my expression of Doubt that I was struggling with while walking the Camino and doubt of my ability to do the work that I needed to do and just struggling with that. <laughs> you know, it was, I wrote it like late one night. We had decided to sleep outside, me and a couple other pilgrims, and I just stepped away and it was just really, it's very factual, you know, <laughs> talks about whatever piece of machinery, farm machinery that came by and whatever, you know, (laughs) those things were all just very real. And so were the the feelings in it and, and the doubt that I was just grappling with a bit.
0: Did you feel in writing it that your doubt was lessened by just even one bit?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because the doubt was that I wasn't showing up enough for the work. Oh, um, yeah. and showing up, it was like I was gifted an expression of that. Like you just like can let it go, I guess. Yeah. Have a bit of an exhale.
0: Wow. That's super cool. Here we go. Three, two, one.
3: I've never caught a falling star on camera or kept a firefly alive in a joy. The cold.
0: So, if you want to hear more of Courtney Hartman's music, and I know I do, I believe you go to CourtneyHartman.com. Is that correct?
1: That's correct, yeah.
0: And once you're there, what are we going to find?
1: Well, there's a picture of me wading through water. So, that's really (laughs) exciting. (laughs) Looking a little bit ghostly. But um, I have a couple records up there. One was an EP um, that I made a few years back that was like my first solo venture and then I have two dual records one with Taylor Ashton and one with Robert Ellis and that's an album of John Hartford songs which I mm-hmm. love and then Ready Reckoners, my newest record that came out a couple months ago
0: and I noticed you have multiple ways you can buy physical copies and that'll support you in a much more financially helpful way than listening Mm, on Spotify.
1: Totally. It's awesome. I'll send it to you.
0: But if you want to check it out before you buy the vinyl, then you can check it out on Spotify. But then you should buy the vinyl. Do all
1: the things. And I will love you for all of them.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So at CourtneyHartman.com, we're also going to be able to see what shows you're playing, where we can go hear you live.
1: Totally. Come hang out with me. I have a... um, I won't talk about upcoming stuff because it will be past.
0: <laughs> so if you're listening from the future
1: yeah, totally, or
0: the past, CourtneyHartman.com has everything you need to know for whatever <laughs> time zone and time frame and decade you're and living planet. in. Yeah. Whatever planet you're on. If you're listening to this in the future, hello. What's the future like? <laughs> We'd love to know that too. Thank you so much for being here, Courtney.
1: Mm, thank you for having me. This was a real treat. Well,
0: you're the one having me here in your barn. so I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate you making the time. Yeah, making the space. and uh, well literally you're making the space here.
1: I'm literally making the space, and you're literally making the space for these kinds of conversations. So oh. thanks for doing that. Thanks. Yeah.
0: No one ever said crossing the river of suck would be easy or that you had to do it alone. So thanks for tuning in and giving it a chance. I'll be back with a new episode every month forever. So make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. This podcast currently is thriving on word of mouth and I am up against, as of this year, over 700,000 active podcasts and more than 29 million podcast episodes. Tell a friend, tell all your friends. Your support as a listener means the world visit riverofsuck.com for all the latest updates become a member of the river of suck swim team for just one dollar a month to support this podcast and access bonus content which typically equals the length of each podcast episode my name is andy reiner
1: i'm courtney hartman till next time time, keep keep swimming.
0: swimming